Well, I think today is going to be a good day. Everybody's happy today. Everybody has had an extra hour of sleep. Uh, Clemson in one. Gamecocks won. Sizzle did not, but Clemson and Carolina did. And this rain that's been over us for, seems like, days is moving on out. Right? Everybody's going to have, the sun's going to come out today. Everybody's going to have a good day today. Amen. All right. That's good. Well, it's good because we're talking today about God's provision in times of distress. We have distress. I forgot to say the Braves won for the first time in 26 years too, right? Everybody's had a great week. Today we're talking about this idea that God provides for us in times of distress. And we could joke about our sports teams being in distress and all these kind of things. We can joke about that. But real distress, God does provide for us. Before we get into the sermon, I'm going to read in chapter, starting in chapter 22, just one, verse 1 through 2. It says that David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. And everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him. And he became commander over them, and there were with him about 400 men. Father in heaven, as we look at this passage of Scripture today, about David who is fleeing from his enemies, from his enemy, King Saul looking for him. He is a fugitive, Lord. We see his travels and his travails and his trials and his tribulations, Lord. We see how you continue to provide for him because your will would be that he would survive. Your will would be that he would bring about your will in his life. Father, each of us has a will that you've put in our lives for the kingdom. To see our lives be conformed to your life, Lord. So even in our times of distress, Father, we thank you that you are a God that provides for us. Today in this passage, show us how you do that as we look at the life of David. And Lord, I pray that my words are yours today and you fill me with your spirit in Jesus' name. Amen. Today I want to, give you, I want to show you how God provides for us even in our times of distress. How God provides for us even in our distress. Number one, God will provide our basic needs. God will provide our basic needs. Now, I didn't say he can, because the Bible doesn't say he can. The Bible says he will. We'll provide our basic needs. Verse 1, the David came to Nob to Ahimelech the priest, and Ahimelech came to meet David trembling and said to him, why are you alone and no one with you? Now, Nob was a special city populated by a lot of priests. It was a priestly city. It was a place where David could perhaps get some spiritual counsel as he's on the run from Saul, perhaps some protection. And Ahimelech, one of the priests, knew who David was. So he was a little fearful to see David come and come in the condition that he came, so empty-handed. He had nothing but the shirt on his back, the tunic all over his shoulders. So it would be confusing 
for a man such as David to, to show up in this city with literally nothing to his name. He was a fugitive on the run with literally nothing but the clothes he had on. Verse 2. And David said to Ahimelech the priest, the king has charged me with the matter and said to me, let no one know anything of the matter about which I send you and with which I have charged you. I have made an appointment with the young men for such and such a place. Now it's clear that David is lying about why he's there. He, he just, he flat out lies about why he's there and comes up with this plan. But we're going to see that even in his sin, even in his breaking one of the Ten Commandments, God still provides for David's basic needs. Look at verse 3. David says, now then, what do you have on hand? Give me five loaves of bread or whatever is here. And the priest answered David, I have no common bread on hand, but there is holy bread, if the young men have kept themselves from women. And David answered the priest, truly, women have been kept from us as always when I go on an expedition. The vessels of the young men are holy even when it is an ordinary journey. How much more today will there be vessels be holy? So the priest gave him the holy bread, for there is no bread there but the bread of the presence, which is removed from before the Lord to be replaced by hot bread on the day it is taken away. So David continues to lie here. He asks for bread. He's hungry. And he said, make sure your soldiers are doing what they're supposed to be doing. He says, oh, yes, they're, they're doing what they're supposed to be doing. He doesn't even have any soldiers with them. Oh, yeah, they're, they're great. Trust me, they're fine. Why? Because there are none, right? He's starving. He takes Food, the holy bread, the bread of the presence that was there for a specific reason, a cer ceremonial bread. It would be very similar to finding people in a kitchen after the Lord's Supper chomping down on the wafers. It happened in my last church. I remember we had uh, the church of Pastor North Carolina. We, we did the juice, but we had oyster crackers uh, that they would use for the Lord's Supper. And uh, one, one day I, we had two services and and I, and I don't know if, it, if we had a guest speaker or something happened where I left during the sermon. So I must have had a guest speaker or something. I can't remember. Or maybe it was homecoming or something. I went back into the fellowship hall, and there were my children eating oyster crackers for the Lord's Supper. <laughs> and, the, and the lady doing children's church was just feeding it to them. Well, that's the Lord's Supper oyster crackers, but they weren't being used at that purpose, at that moment for the Lord's Supper. So they were just plain old oyster crackers. This is kind of what he's saying. It's just bread. It's not being used. So I'll let you have this holy bread. Now, Jesus even refers to this later in his life about how it's, it wasn't a sin in this time. But David eats this bread of the presence. Verse 7. Now, a certain man of the servants of Saul was there that day, detained before the Lord. His name was Doeg the Edomite, the chief of Saul's herdsman. Now, we're not sure if David knew that Doeg was there or not, but he was, and we are told he was there in a little bit of foreshadowing of things to come because he was a loyal servant of Saul. And then verse 8, David said to Ahimelech, Then have you not here a spear or a sword at hand? For I have brought neither my sword nor my weapons with me because the king's business required haste. So again, David lies as to why he doesn't have any weapons and in a twist of irony or providence, however you look at it, Himelech offers a very special weapon. Verse 9. The priest said, 
the sword of Goliath the Philistine, whom you struck down in the valley of Elah, behold, it's here wrapped in a cloth behind the ephod. If you will take that, take it, and there's none but that here. And David said, there's none like that, give it to me. We don't know how or why Goliath's sword that David used to cut Goliath's head right off ends up in this city of priests behind Ephod, but, but there it is. And even in his hour of need, in his hour of distress, God provides David not only with food, but weaponry. And I think this sword as a way to remind David, listen, I am still with you. I'm still with you. Here's the sword that you used before when I was with you. Not only does Scripture have stories upon stories of God providing basic needs for his people, the Bible also promises us this. Look at Philippians 4.19. My God will supply, not can, not may, not iffy. God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in the glory of Christ Jesus. Now, that doesn't mean he'll supply every want, every desire. We want that sometimes. But every need, every need of yours, according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Now, listen, unbelievers do not have this promise. This is for everybody. This is for those who are in Christ Jesus. So when you're living your life today, God is supplying every need of yours because of Christ Jesus. Think about what it would be like to live a life without that promise. There are people all over the world, we even saw today in our video, those who see uh, emphasis, all over the world who do not have that. Yes, God still acts fatherly to the entire world, but without Jesus, there is not that provision connection. What an amazing promise that is that we forget about, I believe. Because of Christ, God provides your every need. God's Word tells us that. And so 1 Thessalonians 5.18 tells us this. So then we give thanks in all circumstances, for this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. No matter our distress, we have a God who will provide our needs. So we're thankful for that. Even when we sin, David is clearly sinning because he's fearful. God's still providing for him now we shouldn't expect god to bless us when we sin that's not what we're saying here but god blesses us despite our sin despite our sin because he is a god of grace and our sin has consequences but god still blesses us even though we are still sinners he blesses David despite the fact that he lied because God's will was for David to be king and God's will will be accomplished. And God's will will be accomplished in your life. In our distress, God provides our basic needs. Secondly, God will provide a change of plans if need be. God will provide a, a change of plans. Look at verse 10. And David rose and then fled that day from Saul, because Saul had his, his, his worker there, Doag, fled that day from Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. And the servants of Achish said to him, Is not this David the king of the land? 
They knew he was going to be king eventually. Did they not sing to one another of him in dances? Saul has struck down his thousands and David his ten thousands. And because Saul has people in Noth, David flees to Gath, which was the hometown of Goliath, of all people. Goliath of Gath. He leaves his home country where he's a fugitive. He goes to the, the priestly city. He leaves there. And now he goes down to the rival country of the Philistines. Can you imagine that? The Philistines, Israel's mortal enemies. And he goes to the very city of all the places he could go, of the man he killed, by the way, with his sword, thinking he won't be found out. That's just not, not very smart, David. You know, in our sins sometimes, we, in our fear, we don't make the wisest decisions, the smartest decisions. We're not sure what he was trying to accomplish. Some scholars think he was going to go down there to, to be this elite kind of mercenary kind of guy because he was a warrior and he had a Goliath sword. He was hoping he could blend in and, and be a soldier and perhaps just start a new life. You know, listen, this, this God has this promise, but maybe I'll be like Moses, and I'll just go in the wilderness for 40 years. And he didn't know. He was just trying to come up, what can I do to survive? Maybe I'll just go to the Philistines. Saul will not find me there. Only problem is the Philistines recognized who he was. This is before the time of the Internet and all kind of stuff. They still knew who he was. They still knew his face. Verse 12 and David took these words to heart and was much afraid of King Achish, the king of Gath. Now, Psalm 56 is actually a psalm he wrote during this time. Uh, look what verse 3 and 4 of Psalm 56 says. He wrote this when he was uh, in Gath. He says, when I am afraid, I put my trust in you. In God, whose word I praise, in God I trust, I shall not be afraid. What can flesh do to me? So we're not sure how much time had passed between the time he was found out and the time that he was scheduled to appear before the king of Gath, but apparently it was enough time for David to feel threatened and to feel fearful that he had made a bad decision, a bad circumstance, and he was crying out to the Lord. He was putting his trust in God. Therefore, he puts his trust in God, but then he does something odd. And I think this is where Shakespeare got this. If you've ever read Hamlet, look at verse 13. So he changed his behavior before them and pretended to be insane in their hands. I've tried this at the house, it doesn't work. But anyway, <laughs> pretended to be insane in their hands and made marks on the doors of the gate and let his spittle run down his beard. Then Achish said to his servants, Behold, you see the man is mad. Why then have you brought him to me? Do I lack madmen that you have brought this fellow to behave as a madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come to my house? Achish says, I have enough crazy people in this kingdom. You brought me another one? He says, I don't lack crazies. I don't need any more. Get him out of here. David's plan was to run from his calling, and he has to resort to acting like he has lost his mind so Achish doesn't believe that David is who they thought he was. There's no identification card, right? So passport he's showing to prove his identity. So he pretends to be crazy. And Achish says, get him out of here. David's plan was to run from his calling, but in God's grace, God would not allow that. God allowed him to be found out. And God moved him from Gath. 
even though David said, this is where I would think I can go. God is ultimately behind these events. He is a God that provides for his people even in situations where he exposes you. This was for David's good. He made a bad decision to go to Gath. He thought he might die there once they found out who he was. But God says, no, you being found out is part of my plan to get you back on the track that you need to be on. Look at Matthew 7, verse 9, says this. Which one of you, if his son asks him for bread, will give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will give him a serpent? If you then, who are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father who is in heaven give good things to those who ask him? God's going to provide for us. He has said he will. He'll provide for us by meeting our needs. He'll provide for us by changing our plans to his plans if he has to. Now he has a will for everyone's lives, and, and you are free to make decisions. We have free will. I don't want us to misunderstand that or misunderstand that. We, we have choices we make. But God, and God allows you to step out from his will from time to time. But if you are a believer in Christ, his plan for your life cannot be deterred. He's going to get you where he wants you. That's God's grace. That's what he does. When we find ourselves in times of distress, we may be tempted to take an easy way out. David was. I'll just move to Gath and be a mercenary. God says, no, 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 no. That's not the way for you. That is not for you, as my little two-and-a-half-year-old says when I try to eat his food. This is not for you. <laughs> this is for me. <laughs> That's what he says. This is not for you. Many times God protects us by causing our plans to fail. Do you know that? He protects us by causing our plans to fail. And he provides for us by changing our plans to his plans. Number three. God will provide a community of support. God will provide a community of support. Verse 1 of chapter 22 says that David departed from there and escaped to the cave of Adullam. So he's gone from a priestly city to a Philistine city, but now he's in a cave. Doesn't seem like that is progression in the right way, right? living in a cave. When his brothers and all his father's house heard it, they went down there to him. I'm sure it was a big cave, but it's a cave. Verse 2, and everyone who was in distress and everyone who was in debt and everyone who was bitter in soul gathered to him. And he became commander over them. And there were with him about 400 men. Now, isn't this interesting? David, a fugitive in distress, is also a leader that people want to follow. And he attracted misfits. And over time, he accrued a small army. Look at the people he attracted. Those who were, who were in distress. Whatever reason, we don't know. They were in distress in their life. Those who were in debt. Debt is not kind of how we think of it today, although it's similar. Debt was not a thing that you wanted to owe in the biblical times. If you couldn't pay it, 
Uh, it could cost you everything you own. You could be a slave if you couldn't pay it off. Those are who were in debt and those whose souls were bitter. People who just had had a hard life. Maybe they were victims of some atrocity, victims of some suffering, mad at the world, bitter at people. Just some good old plain sinners David attracted. These are people whose lives didn't go the way they had planned. They were all people who were looked down upon by those who were doing well in society. They were flawed people who gravitated toward a flawed leader, a flawed savior, if you will. And God provided David a, a community of support, support that he needed, men that he could rely on and trust on, and people who needed a leader like David. You know, that's what God's church is. In some way or another, we're all broken people. We're all misfits. We're all bitter in some way. We're all distressed in some way. We may not all be in debt, but we might have other debts, metaphorically speaking, guilt that we carry in our lives. We all need leadership. We all need community support. We give that to each other. And although their leader was a flawed Savior like David, our leader is a sinless Savior in the name of Jesus Christ. That's who we have. And he says, come all who are weary, take my yoke upon you. I will give you rest. At some point we're all weary, at some point. Spiritually we are. And our leader is a perfect Savior in Jesus Christ. Verse 3. And David went from there to Mizpah of Moab. And he said to the king of Moab, Please let my father and my mother stay with you till I know what God will do for me. Right? David's starting to, to believe again. Just let my parents stay with you until I know how God, what God's going to do. He's, he's changed his tune from fleeing and acting crazy to saying, you know, God, God's going to work this out. Let them stay until we know. Verse 4, and he left them with the king of Moab, and they stayed with him all the time that David was in the stronghold. Then the prophet Gad said to David, do not remain in the stronghold. Depart and go into the land of Judah. So David departed and went into the forest of Hereth. He was warned by a prophet, it's time to leave, time to go. And David listens to the man of God and goes. And David continues to flee as God gives him the support he needs in times of distress. He doesn't map out his whole life. He just goes from point A to point B to point C to point D. And that's the Christian life, isn't it? Every day is a new day. We walk. We get up Sunday. Tomorrow's Monday. Then there's Tuesday. Then there's Wednesday. But we try to go ahead and get to Friday on Monday. We, 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 try to, we try to accomplish Thursday and Friday what Monday has. And God tells us every day is a day when we walk. That's why I've created days. That's why we have days. That's why we operate in that time. You can plan for the future, yes, but today is Sunday. Worry about today. And then Monday will come and you worry about Monday. 
on Monday. This is what David's seeing. Every step of the way has gone from this city to this city to this cave to now he's in a forest. Now he doesn't even have something over his head. But he's trusting God every day. And God is supplying and providing. There was a hot summer day in South Florida. A little boy decided to go on a swim in an old swimming hole behind his house. And in a hurry to dive into the, the cool water, he, he ran out the back door, leaving behind his shoes and his socks and his shirt. Just ran out there and jumped in the swimming hole. And he flew into the water, not knowing as he swam to the middle of the lake, there was an alligator swimming to the shore. Y'all know how that is here. You could see one anywhere, right? His mother in the house looked out the window and saw the alligator and the boy getting closer to each other. So in fear, she ran out toward the water, yelled to her son as loudly as she could, and he heard her voice, and he, became a, he did a U-turn and started swimming to the mother, but it was too late. Just as he reached her, the alligator reached him. And from the dock, the mother grabbed her little boy by the arms, and the alligator snatched his legs. And they started tugging. The alligator was much stronger, but the mother was much too passionate to let go. And a farmer happened to drive by, heard the screams, raced from his truck, took aim with his gun, and shot the alligator. Remarkably, after weeks and weeks in the hospital, the little boy survived. His legs were extremely scarred by the teeth of the alligator, and on his arms even, he had the deep scratches where his mother's fingernails dug into his arm. The newspaper reporter interviewed him after weeks had passed and said, can I see your scars from the alligator? And he said, yes. And he looked up his pant legs and he said, these are my scars. But then he showed him his arms. He says, but look at my arms. I have scars on my arms, and I have them because my mother would not let go. And that's what he was most proud of. We have a God that sometimes might scar us to save us. Amen. We have a God who will not let us go. Because God is a God that provides. Heavenly Fathers, we close our time together today. We thank you that you are a God that provides you are that Jehovah, that Jehovah Jireh. And Father, as we enter into our time of response today, there's one in here that's never placed their faith in you today, that they would do so. They would realize the love you have for them. That you sent your son Jesus to die on the cross so that they may be made right to God, to you. And through his death and burial and resurrection, that those who place their faith in you have that. Have that salvation, have that forgiveness. We are made right with God. Father, for those of us in here who know you, who are walking the walk, sometimes, Lord, in our distress, we may get out of your will like David was. We may sin, and we do. 
Lord, I, I pray that we would turn to you and ask forgiveness in those times. And we thank you for the grace that you give us. We thank you for the provision that you give us, Lord, every day. Now you love us so much, you're not going to let us go. Even if you may hurt us, you're not going to let us go because you love us. Father, we love you. We give this time to you and we ask these things in Jesus' name. Amen.